Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. We're going to talk about hippies today, believe it or not, a little bit. Roman hippies, that is. Uh, <laughs> you didn't know we had Roman hippies, did you? But they did. Not exactly the same as we did, but... Peace, love, and understanding. What's that? Not peace, love, and understanding kind of hippies? Uh, yeah, well, kind of. Kind of they were. Uh, they, okay. didn't use drug. they didn't use drugs as far as I know. Uh, oh. Although they may have used aphrodisiacs. I don't know. But they didn't use drugs as far as The Romans did have drugs. Yeah, um, you want to still... You are still these, are the these Epicureans? Oh, yes, Tom, talking? 20 minutes. 20, 20 minutes, minutes till and, and, and one second. Two, two of, right. Two of, okay. 20 minutes till and two of. All right, gotcha. All right, thank you. Yeah. Let's, let's look at our phrases here, guys. I like some of these phrases. They mean something, I think, especially to blind people. Nula tinaki enwia estwia. That's the one we had last week. For the tenacious, no road is impassable. Boy, that sure um, is good for us, I think. We're tenacious and trying to get things done, and and that's certainly a good phrase for us. Panemet kirkenses, bread and circuses. That's the mm-hmm. phrase that people use even today when they are talking about welfare, and they say all people want is bread and circuses, that is entertainment and food. Uh, and unfortunately, there probably are some people that are happy with that. They don't care about the government. Anyway, then we have our good Good sentence about money. Pecunia si utiskis anikila es. Sineskis domina. That's kind of cool. Pecunia si utiskis anikila est. Sineskis domina. If you know how to use money, money, money is your slave. Slave. Actually, you're made. You're, you're made. If you don't, <laughs> money is your mistress. And that, that's a cool sentence. I like that. And then, um, uh, per angusta ad augusta. Per angusta ad uh, per angusta ad augusta. Through difficulties to greatness. That's another good one, I think, for blind people. Say it again, uh, for, Gary. Say it again. Per, and it's kind of cool because it has that little rhyme, a little uh, thing with augusta and angusta. It's per. Per angusta ad augusta. Per angusta, that's narrow things, difficult things, ad augusta to greatness. Augusta. Okay. Per angusta out. Like per August. Angusta. We get August. We get August. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, we do. Per angusta okay. ad augusta. And we also get Augustus Caesar. They called him that because they uh-huh. thought he was great. Okay. Uh, and so forth. So Augusta. if you know anyone named Augusta or known named <laughs> August, their name uh-huh. means great greatness, uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, and you call him Gus. Call him Gus, <laughs> or I knew I know a girl named named August. Believe it or not, oh. uh-huh. I know a girl named that. Or, well, I don't know her. I know who she, I know of her. I know her parents, uh-huh. and uh, I guess her name would. They probably call her. They might call her Gussie. I don't know, but anyway, uh, it means greatness. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, you don't see that name too often anymore, really, but it is uh, 
He is amazing. Anyway, okay, blue perfect tense, very easy. Third principal part, drop the I and add Very easy to do. Very easy. And it always means had. Something had happened. It is as far back in the past as you can go. Okay. In other words, if someone were to say to you, I had already come into the meeting when you started it. Right. That means they had come in long before you started, or at least before you did a past tense. You did a, you started the meeting in the past, but before that, they had already come in. And so it's, it's as far back in the past as you can go. And we'll see that. Now, let's see if anybody can do this little exercise. Changing from present to pluperfect. So that's a little harder because you got two steps. You got to take your third principal part, take off the I, and add your pluperfect ending. So duke it. How would you change duke it to pluperfect? Um, Dukerat. Almost. What's the third Duke principal Sir part? Dukerat. Dukerat. Yes. Dukerat. Take the third principal part. Remember, that's going to be your stem. Drop yeah. your eye, Dukesy. Drop the eye. You got Dukes and add air up. You got it. All right, okay. Pono. Potur. Poturam. There is such a word, <laughs> but that's po that's for posum. Posum, oh. pose, potui. You're oh, very pono. close. Oh, Ponuero. Potno. Posueram. Third principal part is posui. Pono, ponere, posui, like puse in Spanish, uh, uh, Carla. So, posueram, posueram. What, what person are we? Third, first person. Pono is first person. So, say it again. Posueram, P-O-S-U-E-R-A-M. Lucy almost had it. Well, I, I had the wrong word. I thought it was that. You had posum. Uh, you had posum, yeah. yeah. Almost, you almost said coppice. Coppice, um. No, that's imperfect. When you do the boss, that's imperfect. Caperas. Caperas. C-E-P-E-R-A-S. So you take your third principal part, drop the I in that eros. So, and that means you had seized. This always means had. All right. Laudamus. Laudamus. There we go. And uh, now, now, Lucy, potestis. Now you got the right word. Okay. Poturot. Almost, except it's, it, yeah, except it's second person. So potuerotis. Potuerotis. You had been able. As one of my teachers might have said, you had good. <laughs> you had good. We had a teacher. He said, you might could. You might could. He'd always say that. And I, uh, we'd say, can you do that? He'd say, well, you might could. I mean, you might be able to. So if he would say you might could, he might have said you might have been able. I don't know. Uh, you know who said that, Thomas? You remember which one of our teachers said you might could? Sound like something maybe Mr. Hagee might have said. That's exactly who it was. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Hagee. All right. S. Pueras. That's it. Pacquiao. Um, okay. Uh, fakey, fakey, yum. 
No, that's future. That's actually close to the future. Fekeras. Fekeras. F-E-C-E-R-A-S. Take your third principal part, drop the I, and add eras. That's it. All right? I keep the unit. Wait, wait, wait. It's what? Wait, what? Third principal part of Fakio is fakie. Fakie. Yeah, but what what person are we in? First. Fakio is first. And you said it's what? Fake Aram, F E C E R A M. Okay, I thought you said something else. So it's Fake Ras, I think. You you had the A S on it. I'm sorry, no, it's no, it's M. Fake Aram. If I said that I did say the wrong thing, it's Fake Aram, F E C E R A M. I had done. I, I had, had done. made. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Akipiunt. Akipiunt. Yep, a caperant. They had accepted or they had received. Yep. And then amant. Amaverant. 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 A M A V E R A N T. They had loved, meaning they don't now at all. All right. Manen. Manet. Here's a tricky one. Manuerat. No. Somebody said it. Monserrat, oh, right. good. Monserrat is correct. Yes, Ninette, you fell into the trick. Uh, uh, the old, uh, the old, uh, uh, that, that verb has a weird principal part, monsi. We get mansion from it, if that helps any. Um, okay, just, we're going to do a few of these synopsis. I'm not going to bog you down with all of them this week. We'll do some this week and we'll do some next week because we got a lot of time on this. It says, write the synopsis of the verb. Now, writing a synopsis, you simply take a verb and go through all the forms that you can. So you say, if, we, if you were to do it for love, you would say, we love, we love, we will love, we have loved, we had loved. So you do the present, imperfect, future, perfect, and pluperfect. It's just a real good way, real quick way to review your verb. Synopsis, you know what the word synopsis means, by the way? It means like a running through or a review. Um, yeah. and, a summary uh, of a story. Yeah. That's it. A synopsis is a summary of it or a review of it. Yeah. So all you right, do somebody, this for the same person, but all through different tenses. Is that what you're right. saying? Yeah. Yep. All, so like in the first one, probo, first conjugation verb, we're going to put it in second singular. So we're going to say, you prove, you prove, you will prove, you have proved, you had proved. Like that. Okay, so can anyone try it? How do we do it? Present. Uh, present. Um, yep. Present, I'll give you the first one. Present is probas. P-R-O-B-A-S. You can right. oh, yeah, yeah, first do all person. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's no, but yes, but no, wait a minute. The verb is in first person. It's listed as being in first person, but I want you to put it in second singular. But, but don't you have to put the step like the, I thought you said do the. Oh, you know, yes. Well, yeah, you, they like. Probo, probo, probare, probawi. That's the principal part. So yes, probo, good, good job, Manette. Yes, that's the real, that's the, the real way you should do it. Probo. 
probare, probavi, probatus. That's the principal parts. Now, what's the present stem? P-R-O-B. No. A. P-R-O-B-A. Proba. Take off the R-E of the second principal part. That's the tense. That's the stem we use to make the present, imperfect, and future. Proba. All right, now, what's the perfect stem? Probav. Probav. Yeah, P-R-O-B-A-V. And that's what we're going to use to make the perfect and pluperfect tenses. Okay, now from there, so we say probas, you approve. Okay, now what's the imperfect? Probabas. Yep, probabas. You were approving or you approved many times. All right, future? Probabis. Probabis, you will approve. All right, perfect? Probabis. 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 Nope. Proba, probawisti. Yes, probawisti. Oh, that's right. Yes. You approved. You have approved. Probawisti. And then perfect, the new tense. Probaweras. Good. So probas, probabas, probabis, probawisti, probaweras. You ought to get so. One teacher said, light a match. See if you can say the synopsis before the match burns your finger. Don't do that, by the way, because I don't, don't want you to burn your house down and burn your Probas, probabas, probabis. I mean, probas, probabas, probabis, probawisti, probaweras. Okay. All right. Moeo, first plural. Now, what conjugation is moeo? What are its principal parts? Moere, long ere. Moere. Moeo, Moemi? No, Moe. Oh, Moe. That's right. No, 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 just M O V I. Yeah, Moe, as I thought I said Moe. Yep. No, you did, I think. Somebody said Moe. It's M O V I. Now, in real old Latin, that would be written M O U I because V and U was kind of, you know, they were kind of interchangeable. So you can see where they got that. Yeah, in linguistic Latin, we, we, we often saw the U's and the V's interchange, yep. and it confused yep. the heck out of me. Oh, it, it, it does. In Plautus, some of the early Roman authors, you see it, and it confuses you a little bit when you see it. What's but the fourth principal part? What's the fourth motus. principal part? Motus. Motus. Yeah, motus. motus. That's where I get motus. M-O-T-U-S? Yes. Okay. Yes. yes, we get a lot of English words from the fourth principal parts of the verbs, like vision from video, like motion from from Moeo, like mansion, from Maneo, like future, from Futurus. So we get a lot of English words from those fourth principal parts. Um, all right, so how do we do this one then? We're going to do it in the first person plural, we. So uh, Moemus. Yep, M-O-V-E-M-U-S. Did we do we the move? Did we do the stems? Oh, I'm sorry, no, not yet. We, we didn't. didn't do the stems, no, we the didn't. The present stem is? Moe. Moe, M-O-V-E. Perfect stem is? Moe. M-O-V. M-O-V. M-O-V, yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, so mo first one's going to be? Moemus. Moemus, we move. Yeah. And then... What is the order of the synopsis? Present, future, present, past? imperfect. No, present, imperfect, future. Perfect, imperfect. Okay. And next perfect. week, we'll next week we may add the future perfect. We'll see. 
Present imperfect future perfect pluperfect. Okay. Okay. Uh -huh. So movemos, we move. Movemos, 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 we move. Movebatis. No, you're changing persons. Oh, 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 yes, movemos. 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 Our future is. Movemos. Yep, movemos. All right, perfect. Movemos. No, a moose. What did you tell me the perfect stem was? Mo. M O V. M O V. So mo where I'm. I'm sorry, mo wimus. M O V I M U S. Take your third principal part, drop the I and add I M U S. Mo wimus. All right, and blue perfect. Mo where I'm. Good. Yeah. Well, Let's do one more, and then we'll let the other three <laughs> go. Well, next week. Okay. Ago, third singular. Now, what are the principal parts of ago? Agare. E-R-E. So it's what conjugation? It's the second. No, nope, it's not long. Third. Remember, first conjugation has A R E, second conjugation has long E R E, third conjugation has E R E. So just okay. plain old E R E is third. So ago, agare, third principal part. Eggy. Eggy. Octus. Octus. There we go. All right. So the present stem is A G E. Yes. A G E. Perfect stem is. G E V E G egg or E G A. All right. So present. Wait a minute. Wait. Wait. Not everybody's saying the same thing. What is it? E G E G E G. Take your third principal part, which you said was eggy, and drop the I, and you get your stem. Egg. Egg. All right. So third singular. This is pretty easy. This one's one of the easier ones. How do we do it? It's going to be he all the way along. He or she. Agit. Agit. No. For the perfect. Agit. You need the present, right? You need present. Present is agit. A-G-I-T. And that may be what you meant to say, Lucy. A-G-I-T. Agit. Agit. Yeah. Agit. Yeah. Okay. Agit. Okay. Imperfect. Imperfect would be egg, egg, egg. No, because you're going to, you're still using your present stem. Okay, bot. Okay, bot. That's right. Okay, bot. Future tense. Future tense we just had last week, or well, yeah, week four last, I guess. Remember, third conjugation has a weird future tense. It's not okay, bit. It's okay. It's aget, A G E T. Remember, it's different than it's the present is I, future is E. I'll get A G E T. So I'll get, I'll get bot, I'll get. Now, perfect. Um, Egget. Egget, yes. E G I T. Egget. Egget. All right, and plea perfect. Um, Egget. No, Eggerot. E G E R A T. Oh, I am going to put a V in that. Egger. <laughs> Eggerot. All right. We'll let them go for this week. Try to do the rest of them for next week if you can. <laughs> and we'll come back to them next week. But you guys are getting them. You're starting to get them. 
Um, and there are, it's a great way to review your tenses. It really is. All right, let's look at our sentences. And then we'll look at our readings. We have three readings in this chapter. Kaisar copiasad plumen duxerat et castra posuerat. A lot of pluperfects in this in these sentences. How do we translate that sentence? Kaisar copiasad plumen duxerat et castra posuerat. Caesar led the troop had led the troops to yes. The Caesar had river, led the troops to, to the, the river. river, and he had set down camp. And he had set up camp or pitched camp. Yes, very good. Caesar had led troops to the river and had pitched camp. Good. You might see that sentence in Caesar if you read it. Number two, Graeci de Lacadaimoniis deacon in Umbra Pugnaverant. All right. Graeci, who are they? The Greeks. The Greeks. Deacon. Said, say or said, de lacadaimonies about the Spartans. Yep, the Greeks said about the Spartans, and what did they say? Um, they will, they, they will fight in the shadow. They had fought. They uh, had fought in the shade or in the shadow. Yes, see, blue perfect. Long time ago, they had. All right. Argus canis fortis, puellas a silvis duxerat at puellas serwarerat. This is from our reading we had a long time ago about the girls when they got lost in the woods. Remember that reading? Mm -hmm. What did Argus do? What do you, who is Argus? Argus He's a brave Argus, dog. He's a brave, brave dog. dog who did what? He led the girls out of the woods and he had led. He had led the girls out of the woods. woods. And he saved. had saved them. And he had saved them, saved yes. Them. All right. Priore anno. Priore anno canem magnum puer habuerat. Said proximo anno parvum canem habuit. <laughs> the year before last, the boy had a great meal. Het. No, no, not not canem, canem. <laughs> canem. That's 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 so typical. Musi people have trouble with things like that. But it would be funny if it was a great meal. It means, boy, he had a good meal last year. But what do you have this? <laughs> anyway, so um, the year before last, the boy had had a great dog, a, dog? a big dog, a big <laughs> dog. But last year. Last year, he had a small one. He had a small dog. Small yeah. dog. He had a small dog. All right, good. Number five. Docueram te malta de verbis latinis. Docueram te malta de verbis latinis. Um, we have taught you a lot. I have about taught you. Not we, I. I have right. taught you a lot. You I have right. taught you many things about Latin words. Latin words. All right. Good job. All right. Now, six. Chieme apud me weneras et puellum optimum videras. Odie. Deo in matrimonium duces. 
All right. Kiame. What's Kiame mean? In the winter. In the winter. Ah, put me wainaros. You, you had come before me. You had come to my house. Ah, put me. You had come to my house, and what? We thereof. And you saw a pretty. And you girl? had seen the best girl, a very wonderful girl. Okay, Hodie. Good day. Deo volente. God willing. God willing. Aam in matrimonium ducase. You will lead her in marriage. Yeah, you'll marry her. Today you'll marry her, God willing. Okay, you met her last winter and today you'll marry her. <laughs> okay. Sororemayam Corneli, laudabas et dike bas, numquam antea talem puelam videram. Um, what is Cornelie? What is that? Cornelius. Yeah, it's evocative. You're you're addressing him, Cornelius. My sister. No, I'm sorry. Well, you're right, but what is yes. that? That's the direct object. That's so you're going to have to get object. the verb. Okay. So laudabas. Cornelius, you you praised. praised. You continually praise. You kept on praising. You were my, praising my sister. my sister at DK Boss. And, and you kept saying, Num quam antea talem puelam videram. Never have I seen such a beautiful girl. Yeah. Never before had I seen such a beautiful girl. Mm-hmm. All right. I state. Paula et Marcius bonam canam amicis dederant. This is another there's sentence the from. There's the meal. There's your meal. There's <laughs> your meal. Yes, sir. All right. I stop it. In the, in the summer. summer. In the summer. Paula and Marcius, what? Dederant. Gave. gave had given. Had, had given, given. Had given. Bonam canam amikis. A big good, dinner, good meal to their a friends. A good dinner to their to friends. friends. Right. All right. Nine. Multi amiki ad me wainerunt et malta de caesare dixerunt. Many friends have come to me. Mm-hmm. And had come to me. No, no, I tricked you. I tricked you. This is not a pluperfect. This is a perfect. So many friends came or have come to me. Mm. Many friends came or have come to me. Oh, that would be Wayne Yeah, that's right. Wayne would be your pluperfect. And what about Dixerunt? Is that perfect or pluperfect? Um, perfect. Yep, and said many things about, about Caesar. Caesar. All right, here we have a famous quotation from Seneca. Quae vitia fuerant mores sunt. Quae vitia. Say it again, Gary. Quae vitia, quae vitia fuerant mores sunt. 
things which, I give you that, things which had been faults are now customs. Things which had been faults are now and customs. Now Meaning customs. things that in the past people would have said, you can't do that. You can't do that. Now everybody's doing it. Uh-huh. That's all that means. And it's still, you know, true, as true as it was when, when he wrote it. Okay, we have three readings in this lesson, and I thought these were kind of interesting readings. We have one real romantic one, and we have two funny ones. The first one is romantic, and it's by what I like to call a Latin hippie. Here, I, I have a question here. before we oh, leave yeah. that. Yes. The um, proximo, you translated as last, but um, proximo, it's, it's weird because it's, I'm having an interference problem because proximo in Spanish means next. Is there a yes? It yes, it can mean next. You know what, Carla? You're right. You get an A for the day. Uh, you're you're exactly right. That that's not that's not last. Uh, you're exactly right. Thank you. I'll tell you next week what I should have written. Um, priore is really what I should have written, and I can't think what they would have said for. Wait a minute. Let me see. I should know this too, and I, I'm trying to think too. What's What's confusing me is I think in Cicero they do use proxima in a sentence. Proxima nocte, meaning last night. But I'll check on that. I will. I will. But you know that what? That week. might be next in re, in relation to priore. But yeah, still, yeah, yep. Yeah. That's probably what I was thinking when I wrote it. But, and that uh, may be what Cicero was meaning when he wrote it. I'll check on that, and I'll I'll straighten. Okay, remind me of that next week to straighten okay, that out. Because I, that really did confuse me. Well, it would. Sure it, I can see where it would. Okay. I can see where it would. Okay. Yeah, I can. I'm sorry. I'll I'll check into that. Problem. Um, I'll check the third because the first oration he has a part where he says the night before last something something and the last night, and I think he uses proxima there, and that's what I think confused me. Um, meaning next after the one before, I guess you're right. Um. Okay, these Latin hippies. Augustus, during his reign, was trying to promote morality. He was trying to restore the Roman family. They were having the same problems that we're having today with divorces and, you know, families getting all mixed up and messed up. And Augustus wanted to try to solve that problem. And so he passed all these laws about marriage and you got certain breaks if you got married and you got certain tax breaks if you had three children and stayed married. And all that kind of thing. And and it was kind of a joke because in his own life, he was not at all moral. Uh, he often said he committed adultery for reasons of state. And I'll tell you more <laughs> about that when we get to Augustus. <laughs> his own married life was not quite what you would like for it to be. But he was passing these laws because he was trying to improve Roman civilization. Never mind that his daughter... He would stand at the forum and pass these laws during the day, and she would go out there with a boyfriend at night and make love right there where he, he was standing to pass those laws. So she was flaunting everything that he was trying to do, and he banished her for it when he found out. Uh, but there were a group of Romans, especially some poets, who said, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to get married, and I'm not getting married. I'm going to have a girlfriend, and I'm going to have an affair with her, and I'm going to have a true love with her, but I'm not getting married. And they were kind of flaunting what Augustus was trying to do. And these poets are called the elegiac poets. And there are four of them, but one of them, we don't have any of his works. We have three of them. We have Tobolus, we have Propertius, and we have Ovid. And of the three, Ovid is the most 
way out because he wrote a lot more than the other two, but he also writes just to entertain. He doesn't seem to have any real serious feelings and he's more liberal and wild than any of the others. And maybe it's because of that, that he got banished. And we'll talk about that later, but these other two, including the one that wrote this first reading, they write, they, they don't get married and they kind of, you know, live in this real hippie style. They have this affair with these women, most of whom are not Roman women. They're sort of like freed Greek women. Uh, most of these poets had these affairs, but the affairs didn't turn out well. The women generally cheated on them. In some cases, they cheated on the women. Um, they were always fighting and making up and breaking up and mourning over the fact that their girlfriends were cheating on them and blah, 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 blah. And the one that wrote this particular poem, Propertius, he had a girlfriend named Cynthia. And they had a time. Uh, they were together some. They were separate some. One time he was going to break up with her and uh, she came back and called him with someone else and got really mad and flew into a tantrum and like blacked his eye and fought with the girl. And then he, uh, she cheated on him and they just had a, a tumultuous relationship. However, in spite of all that, this guy really, some of his poems really embody Roman virtues. He, he's, these elegiac poets, except for Ovid, seem to still come back to basic Roman virtues and basic Roman ideas. This guy wrote a poem about as if he were writing the inscription on a grave of a Roman woman. It's a beautiful poem. I'm going to try to get it maybe and read it to you sometime uh, because he basically gives all the values that a Roman woman would have and would feel uh, what it's like to be a woman and what she wanted her children to do, what she wanted her husband to do and so forth. So even in spite of him saying I'm rebelling, he didn't quite rebel as much as you might have thought. But anyway, this reading is a little slice from one of his poems about one of the times when he and Cynthia were having problems. And I thought it was kind of good because it really shows the pluperfect tense very vividly. It says, Non sumego qui fueram. Let's get that much. Non sumego qui fueram. What does that sentence mean? I'm not whom I once was. Right. Now, most in English, in English, we would say that. We would say, I am not the man who I was. That's the way Waldo Sweet mm -hmm. translates it. However, it really, if you stick with my rule, which says to translate the pluperfect as had, it really says, I am not who I had been. Mm. And I like that yeah. better because it shows how much things have changed. It's two degrees back in the past. I'm not right now. The guy that I had been way back in the past, like maybe only a day ago, but it seems like a long time because things have changed so much. Have you ever experienced, if you ever were in love and someone broke up with you and broke your heart and it almost feels like, man, what happened? You know, like things were so different in the past and it might only have been a day or two ago, but you think back. <laughs> Things were so different back then, and the, and the pastness just really hits you. You know what I mean? And so I think that pluperfect is very vivid there. I am not the man who I had been. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, notice what he says. Here's what's happened. Mutat we longa puelas. What's happened? We longa. 
a long way. A long way, a long road, a long trip. Mutat puelas. Changes, changes girls. girls. Now we don't know who took the trip. At least I don't. Maybe if I read the poem in the in the school form, I would. Either he took a trip, and when he got back, he found that his girl had fallen in love with someone else. Oh. Or else, much as the girl in the song "Engine Engine Number Nine did, <laughs> the girl went on a trip, met someone, and fell in love with him. And when she gets back, she doesn't care anything about him. Whichever way it goes. She's changed her mind for some reason. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Okay. And so it says a long trip changes girls. And so yeah. he's saying, you know, I'm not the man I had been when she left. We were in love and she's come back now. Who look how much things have changed. Okay. And then we have the final line. Quantus and exiguo tempore fugit amor. What does he say? Notice oh. the long mark on fugit, by the way, it makes a difference. Um, what word goes with Qantas in that uh, line? Um, that's the subject, is it? Yes, it is. And is there okay. another word in that poem that could be, is there another word in that line that it could also be the subject? Oh, Amor, great love. Yes, ma'am. So Qantas and Amor go together, even though they're separated by a whole bunch of words. Uh -huh. And I'll tell you why in a minute. We'll see how effective this is. This is what's cool. This is what's cool about Latin poetry. <laughs> Quantus Amor, what a great love. Uh -huh. Yeah, in such a brief time. A great love has fled in uh -huh. such a short a brief time. time. Now notice, notice the way that's written. That is a cool line, isn't it? Because yeah. notice the most important thing is at the beginning and at the end. What a great love. Uh -huh. Also notice the very last word in the poem. Love. Love is fleeing away as we see it because it's the end of the line. Uh -huh. We can see that love fleeing. And what's the word right before love? Has fled. Has fled. And when we see the word love, fled because the word fled is gone. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Look how Here you got 20 more minutes. Thank you, Tom. And notice that Qantas... <laughs> is also important since it's out of its normal place at the beginning. What a great, it's almost like trying to, it, we can't, this doesn't make sense if we say it this way in English, but it's almost like, what a great time has fled love. And that sounds kind of funny, but that's the idea. And so what a great love is the most important thing there. And yet we can actually see that love fleeing right before our eyes. It's, it's cool. It's really cool the way, they, the way that works out. Any comments on this poem? I like it. That's nice. Yeah, it's a, it's a like cool it. little poem. It is. It's a cool poem. It is. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Let me read it to you in Latin just so you can okay. hear the sound of it. Non sumigo qui fueram mutat via longa puelas, quantis en exiguo tempore fugit amor. There we go. Okay, mm -hmm. now we have two funny readings. I mean, I hope you'll think they're funny. <laughs> oh, they're not knee slappers, maybe, but they're pretty good. <laughs> okay, uh, th these are by Marshall. Remember, Marshall's the guy that always writes poems to have a little surprise ending on them, sort of. Nuper erat medicus, nunc est vespillo diaus. Quod vespillo facet, fecerat et medicus. What does that mean? 
There once okay. was a doctor, and now All right. he... Well, recently, recently, Dialis was a doctor. Doctor. Recently, Dialis was a doctor. All right. Now, now what is an it? undertaker? Now he's an undertaker. Okay. <laughs> now, what's it say about this? Look at my what, he, what he what he does as a undertaker. He had done as a doctor. Yeah, exactly. Meaning what? <laughs> I don't what know. What kind of doctor was he? <laughs> Not so good, right? He, he was always patients were dying, so he figured I'll change my job, and now I'm an undertaker. Roman doctors could only do so much, and Marshall doesn't seem to have thought very much of him. He writes several kind of cutting poems about doctors. Uh, we'll read one about people touching him with cold hands, and sometime uh, a doctor came. Anyway, recently he was a doctor, but now Dialis is an undertaker. What he does as an undertaker, he had also done as a doctor. Notice again the way that the, the tenses are. Focket is right next to Fakerot. So there's a little bit of wordplay there, but there's also a play on time. He does, he had done. And so, and you can almost see um, Dialis and Dialis the Undertaker and Dialis the Doctor squaring off here because one's at uh -huh. the beginning of the line and one's at the end of the line. Uh, okay. so that's kind of cute, kind of, uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. kind of interesting. Okay. Y'all like to go out to eat? Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. You didn't think I was going to. Well, this poem's about going out to eat. Okay. Quote, can we wara sine me, Tom Saipe Luperke? Is it why have you so often dined without me? No, it's because. Because, oh, because. because you dine so oh, often oh, without, without me, Lupercus. What? What a name, Lupercus. Because you dine so often without me, Lupercus, what? In um, way to hurt you. In Wayne. What's in Wayne mean? Um, it's the third principal part of in Wenio, which means what? You know, in Wenio? Come in? No, to find. Well, it, I guess it could mean to come. It usually means to find, to come upon or to find. So I have found a way to hurt you. So because you eat without me so often, Lupercus, I've found a way to hurt you. What it really says there, Carla, in case you wonder about the verb, is um, it really says, in wainy qua, wait a minute, where am I? I've lost the place. Uh, in waning nocam qua rotioni to be, I have found by what method I may hurt you. Nocam uh. is subjunctive. I have found a method to hurt you. I found a way to hurt you. So, because you, you, in other words, the idea is you don't invite me to your house to eat, and you eat without me so often, but I'm going to get you, but I found a way to hurt you. Okay, here's what he's going to do. Eroscor, he says. He, he's really mad. Eroscor means <laughs> I am mad. I'm burned up. All right, what's he say? Liket usque, wo case, mitesque, rogesque. 
Liket usque, and then those verbs means like you can. It is permitted that you call me, send for me, and ask me over and over again. So remember, you can, you can call me and send for me and ask me again and again. And the idea is I'm not going to come, right? I'm not going to go. You can do it. But notice, notice, by the way, there we have something effective. We have a figure of speech called pilosyndeton where they put all these conjunctions in because you've got wokase, nitesque, rogesque, and all those ands, 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 those que means and. It, it, it makes you stop and look at each act. So like you can call me and send for me and ask for me. Uh-huh. Okay. Quid facias inquis. The guy says, quid facias inquis. You what? What's he asking? Um, what do you look at your tense? Facias. Facias. What tense is that? Future. Whatever now, you will do. What will you do? What will you, you do? In other words, he's, he's saying, you, you said, you can send for me and you can invite me and you can send for me. And the guy says, well, what are you going to do? What will you do? You found a way to hurt me. What are you going to do? And Marshall says, what will I do? I will come. I'll no. come. <laughs> yes, I will come. Meaning what? You're going to invite me and let, what am I going to do to hurt you? I'm going to come. You invite me, I'm going to accept. Then you'll have to have me for dinner. Make make your life miserable. Is that the yeah, idea? Then you'll have to have me. It's just a funny little poem. It oh. just shows how much the Romans liked getting invited out to dinner. We're going to read another poem about that a little later on about somebody that loves to get invited out to dinner. So they like to get invited out as much as anyone else. <laughs> so it's just a cute little little poem. So to read it again. Uh, wait a minute. Because you dine without me so often, Lupercus, I have found a way to hurt you. <laughs> I'm mad. You can call me and send for me and ask me all you want. Well, what will you do, you say? What will I do? I'll come. <laughs> there we are. Okay. Um, now, for next week, we have, no, uh, we have some new phrases. You might look at them. Pro bono means for the good. That is, you hear somebody doing something pro bono, it means they're helping people who are poor and can't afford, like legal work. Uh, they'll do it for nothing. Sometimes doctors do pro bono work. They'll fix people's teeth or give them uh, medical care for nothing. People can't afford it. That's pro bono, meaning for the good, for the public good. Pro rata means for the rate. I don't, I don't know where that's used, but it's like pro bono, so I put it in, pro rata. You might see it. Quasi means as if, and we use this a lot like quasi something. It's a quasi, I don't know, whatever you want to say. It's a quasi, uh, well, it's a quasi uh, pie, but it's really not a very good pie. Maybe it's kind of like, quid pro quo, tit for tat, something for mm-hmm. something. And then last of all, quis custodiet ipsos custodate. <laughs> Who will guard the guards themselves? Who will guard the guards themselves? And that's supposedly um, the satirist juvenile wrote that and saying, you know, you can you can guard your wife all you want. You can put guards all around her. But who's going to guard against the guards? She'll corrupt <laughs> them, too. And then uh, they won't do any good. So he didn't have a very high opinion of women, I'm afraid. 
Uh, <laughs> anyway, now this next week we have a long reading to do about continuing with our Roman history. And this reading is in prose, it's not poetry, it's so it's a pretty normal reading. But I thought I would just give you a few tips, and we don't have uh, a lot of time, but we probably got a little enough time for me to give you a tip. When you get a long story like this to read, you can get discouraged. You can see these long sentences, and you think, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? It's a little bit like, Carla, when you play Spanish sentences for your kids, and what do they immediately do? They say, I can't understand it. I can't hear a word. I don't know what it's saying. And I always said, okay, you don't know what it's saying, but listen and get something. You might not get it all, but get something. And that's how you do. You know, if you start saying, I can't understand it, I can't, you, you close your mind to it, and then you can't. But listen to what you can. And the same thing is true of these, of these stories. When you get a long story like this, the best thing you can do, the tendency is to pick the sentences apart the way we do. Like, ubi talus hostilius. Oh, let's see. That's a subject. Rex teratius. Oh, that's, that's a subject. Romanos regebat. That's imperfect. Okay, you can do that. But do you think for one minute the Romans did that? Do you think for one minute if a Roman heard this sentence? Um, ubi talus hostilius. Rex teratius. Romanos regebat. You think they said, oh my God, let's see. Imperfect. Verb is the last. What the? No, of course they didn't do that. They heard the sentence and they understood it. And so the best thing you can do before you try to pick the sentence apart to save you time is to read the whole sentence. So say, Ubi tolus hostilius, rex tertius, romanos regebat, pugnabant romani, cum kiwibus albi longi, orbis, quae non poco aberat. Now notice when you do that, Certain things start jumping out at you. If you do that, you say, well, that's an imperfect tense. Without even thinking about it, you kind of get the idea. That's an imperfect tense. Then you get Romanos. That's a direct object. Okay, I know what this means. Roman. That means yeah. when Tolus Ostilius, the third king of Rome, was ruling the Romans, mm -hmm. I got it. Yeah. And then, Pugnaban Romani, cum Albanis Albi Longi, Orbis quinone proco. Oh my gosh. Okay, I know what that means because I can sort of feel how these go together. It means something <laughs> like the Romans uh, were. Uh, I've lost my place. Uh, here we go. Uh, they were fighting. The Romans were fighting with citizens of Albalonga, a <laughs> uh, city. Which was not far away. So you, what I'm saying is if you read the whole sentence, you're going to get a lot of it. You're going to get some of it. And what you don't get, then you can go back and try to get in. If you do this enough, you'll start to get a feeling for this language. And it's a very beautiful language. And it's good for you to get the feeling of suspense. Oh, that verb. I got to wait till the end of the sentence to get that verb. And it, you start getting a feeling for the language. If you just stick, oh my God, that's a subject, that's a verb, that's a, you have to do that some, sometimes. But the more you can get to read the sentence through and get a feeling for it as a whole, the better you'll do. And after you do this enough times, it'll start to get, you know, it'll start to be easier. Now, I know it's hard for us because we're, you know, we're only meeting once a week and we're, uh, you know, going over this stuff once a week and, and you may go over it again yourself. And it's hard to build up that feeling. But if you could read this story 
once a day this week. Just read through it once a day aloud and try to get the meaning. If you want to translate it, okay, fine. But but more important is get the meaning because this story is a story that you can read. It's not too hard. And if you, see if you can answer the questions at the end without translating it and then go back and translate it. Use translation as a last resort. Uh, you know, and if you do that, you'll start to build the ability to read. It's a little bit like my phys ed teacher used to say, and I never listened to him. I hope you'll listen to him better than I did him. He said, if you run, if you run a little ways, and then the next day you run a little further, and the next day you run a little further, and the next day you run a little further, you'll be able to run further and further and further until you can run much further than you could the first day. Well, unfortunately, I never listened to him. I just, I got tired. I started walking. And it came back to get me later on when I had to run and quit and didn't think I could. So I'll tell you that someday. But anyway, it, the more you do this, the more you read it, the better you'll be able to read. That's all we're saying. So, yeah, you can still use the, 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 the logical method, but use it as a last resort. Any comments on this? Anything you know you want to say about this? And ideally... We should have a, I should have really, I guess I should have recorded this story for you and had you listen to it every day. And then you could, if you listen to it, you'd really get the feeling for it after you heard it a few times. Gary, mm -hmm. I'm having a little issue with um, my, on my Braille display. Um, yeah. There's accents in some of these words, and I don't know what that, what the accented letter is. Oh, Okay. That are you seeing a thing that looks like a th sign? Oh, I don't know what that is. No, that's not. I that's know. not supposed to be a th. But if you see that, like, what word do you see it on? Oh, I would have to uh, email you. Okay, you email. What I think you're seeing is what are called long marks, and they're not supposed to come out as accent marks, but they do sometimes, oh. depending on depending on the braille display, depending on the translation. That you're okay. using. I'm using a Braille sense, and I'm using them in. I brought these up in docs, and they come out as dots four, five, six for me, but they may not for you. And I think Carla said she doesn't always have them come out right with her Braille display. Okay. So it might depend on the kind of Braille display mm -hmm. you're using and the translation program and how it does it. I wish, I wish that. We could find some way that everybody could have the same experience yes. with this because yes. it is difficult. It is a problem. Yeah. But just th those are long marks, and all they mean most of the time it means a difference in pronunciation, but it might mean oh. a change in meaning. Like it might mean the difference between present and perfect tense in some cases. Like oh. in that poem, we had fugit instead of okay. we had f long u g i t, which meant has fled instead of flees. Okay. So, that was one uh, lesson okay. lesson three. I think we talked about them in lesson three. If you go back and listen to the recording for lesson three or okay. lesson two, is he lesson two or three? Yes, uh, Carl. I'm sorry. What were you saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what happens. Mine's a long mark. But I, when I, when you were talking about translating, I always tell my students um, to try not to fall into that trap. To just try to read it and get what you can, because then that'll help you to think in the language. Vertical line. Okay. But in Latin, people don't. Um, a, a woman that taught, taught at a Goucher, a woman that taught at um, a Tufts University said, she said to her students, 
don't translate this, just get the meaning of it. And she they, and they had always been translating. They said, we can't do that in Latin. We can't do that. We have to translate. They were panicked. <laughs> and, and no, you can certainly do it in Latin. Latin teachers don't often do it, but you certainly can. And in the modern languages, you almost never translate in class. Latin, we do. But, tra- but And you can translate this if you want, if you feel better. We're going to translate it next week, probably. But try to read it as much as you can getting the meaning before you consciously try to translate it, if that makes sense. Yeah, you got two more minutes. Okay, Tom, thank you. So next week, try to read your stories if you can. And if you can't finish it, don't panic. I'm not going to kill you or bore you in a world, but read what you can of it. We did the first sentence for you. So it's a pretty good story. It's pretty. Uh, it's a pretty good story. It's about a one hero wins a war, so it's about an underdog. Any comments before we go? We got not much time, so we'll have to go. How about some more hippie poetry? All right, hey man, still <laughs> gotta work that out. Gary, I thought of you the other night. <laughs> I had the radio and internet station on, and K Sarah Sarah by Doris oh. Day came on, and I yeah. started thinking about you and the Latin version of that song, and I couldn't stop laughing. I think <laughs> God, I lost my mind. <laughs> All right, we better go, or Tom's gonna be laughing at us. We'll see you. <laughs> Thank you, Tom.